Thank you, Lord. There's a lot of sounds going on right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you're listening, you can hear the sound of the abundance of rain, the Spirit of God getting ready to pour out on the earth. If you're listening close, you can hear dry bones rattling, those things that seem to have died and gone away that the enemy seemed to have destroyed. It's time to speak to those dry, dead things. It's time to speak to them to come alive. And, and the dry bones begin to rattle, and they start to rattle, and then all of a sudden the sinew and the muscle and the flesh begins to form into that very dream that God intended from the very beginning. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling, marriages coming to life. Lives that seem to be destroyed in drugs and alcohol all of a sudden turning and coming to life. I thank you. Jobs coming to life. Vision coming to life. Dry bones are rattling, coming alive. In this very hour, in this very time, glory to God. Father, we thank you for this day. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for that which you are doing. You are the God of life. And I thank you, Lord, that even in that day as we look out over the landscape, wondering what's going on, you see things differently than we see them. And as we look, just as you ask the prophet Ezekiel, what do you see? We need to look and see what we see. And if it looks dead, God said, if it looks dead, begin to speak life. And so I thank you, Lord, that you give us that place of seeing and knowing that we begin to speak life to those things that have seemed to have gone away or laid dormant or been killed off by some circumstance that you placed in the hearts of people. I thank you. You give us utterance that we might speak the words that you put in our mouth to those situations that all of a sudden they come to life again. Even the church in this hour, we speak to the church in this moment to come to life again, that mighty army of God for this generation to not lie dormant, but to come to life like never before. We thank you for healing and deliverance. I thank you, Lord, that you're not done doing miracles. I thank you right there in the homes of people listening and watching. There's miracle-working power. Healing, deliverance, freedom. Right now, as they reach out and grab it, I thank you, you're doing it now. Because you're able to save, you're able to heal, you're able to deliver. So we lay claim to that. This is a day that you've made for us. We rejoice and we are glad. Holy Spirit, move in every heart, every life, every body, as only you can, to bring that healing, that deliverance, that freedom Put back together those things that were broken. Make them whole as if the enemy had never shattered them into pieces before. Thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. That we would be different after we hear what you say to us. We would allow your word to be, continue and begin to transform things in our life to bring life. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. Good morning, church. <laughs> Week 10 of online church. And I'm just telling you, there's a rumbling. There's things going. It's not going to be too long that we're going to be together again. 
And so we're going to continue to press in. We're going to continue to pray and watch what God will do with the church. And so we're glad that you allow us to come into your home on Sunday morning. We're glad that we have this uh, technology to interact together. And so we're grateful and so we are thankful. You all can be seated. And uh, I just want to say congratulations to all of our graduates. Uh, what accomplishments that you have uh, done and uh, completing wherever you are, whether it's college or high school. Uh, we have our preschool graduation. There's just so many graduations going on. But for our high school and college graduates, we just want to uh, congratulate you. And uh, so many, uh, I just got a card today. Another one of our graduates is going to university in Switzerland. And so uh, congratulations, Whitney. We're just so grateful. And as we prayed uh, last week, Nick is going to the Naval Academy. Some of you others are doing great things. Some of you will stay right here in the valley and do great things for God. And so we just want to congratulate you uh, on your graduation. And uh, we're praying for you. Uh, you may have stories to tell to your children and your grandchildren about the way that you graduated from high school with the time that we live in. Uh, right now it seems hectic, but we believe that you'll have a story to tell uh, of how unique it was, what God did in your graduation to uh, make it special for you, what your family did. It'll create just an awesome, awesome story. Praise the Lord. What I want to ask you, I want to ask you to think about something before we get into the message today. And uh, really, I want you to, you know, respond on Facebook, uh, do what you can. But what, uh, give me three things of spiritual significance that are coming to life in your life. Three things of spiritual significance that have changed over the last 10 weeks or come forth over the last 10 weeks. You know, it may be just something like God's developing a greater love in me for my family, for my spouse, for others. I've learned to be patient with my children with this situation of coronavirus. You know what? I've learned to I, I just have joy because being depressed and angry about it doesn't help. Uh, I, I've learned to just be good to people around me. Uh, if you understand what I'm going through, I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit here. But during this 10 weeks, I believe that God is designed to do something over this period of time that His intent is to be incredibly impactful. And we begin to acknowledge what God is doing. When we do as the 103rd Psalm says that we begin to bless the Lord, we make our soul bless the Lord and forget not all of His benefits the one who heals our diseases, who forgives our iniquities, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. When we start to remember what God has done, and I asked a couple weeks ago, you know, again, a similar question. What's been going on? What is God, what name things God has done over the last uh, eight weeks at that point in time? You say, why are you asking us that? Because I believe this time is a critical time. You may look at it and say, this all happened because of coronavirus. Look at where we are because of that. But because of all that, we were brought together. We were brought home. We were brought out of some things. And I believe with all of my heart, God in this time has been looking to develop the church in a greater measure than ever before. If you look at your life and say it's no different than it was, then I believe we still have a short period in this window of time that we can allow God to do something significant in drawing us close to Him, in developing areas of our life that were not developed. I believe during this period of time, many people, things have come to light. 
in your marriage, spending time with your wife, you found out, you know what, I, I, it's hard for me to deal with, but I found that I'm selfish. Well, God didn't do that to make you feel bad. Light came on that so you could change and become more loving than selfish. You may come and find out, you know what, wow, I totally lost touch with my kids. And that didn't come to light to make you feel bad about where you've been. It came to light so that you can connect with your kids and really begin to nurture them in the, in the admonition of the Lord and raise them in the way that they are called to go. See, the things that were brought to light weren't brought to light to bring shame or destruction or hurt to your life, but they were brought to light because God in this time wants to change. He wants to rearrange. I believe with all of my heart, he wants us individually and as a church to come out of this far better, far stronger, with greater change than we went into it. Because we serve a God who really brings this place. Romans chapter 4 in verse 17, it's talking about how Abraham was called the father of many nations. And it says that he did this because, really, he understood this because uh, the scripture says this, that he served a God who brings life to the dead and he makes old things new, right? We serve a God who brings life to dead things. We just heard that dry bones rattling. God wants to take this time and bring life to things that have died. You may have had a vision to serve God. You may have had a vision for ministry. You might have had a vision for service. And God wants to bring life to those dead things. And he wants to take things that have just been old and make them brand new. You're just like, you know what? I set that aside. I used to love that, but make old things new. God is the master of making old things new. And so we've been talking in the last few weeks, really, we started it on Easter Sunday talking about the new normal. And as we were talking about that new normal and discussing on Easter, we were talking about that newness of life, resurrection life. It was new life. And so if we've received that resurrection of life, it's a brand new life. How do we begin to operate in that new normal? And over the next two weeks, we took time to look at people who had had an encounter with Jesus. And when they did and he healed their bodies or he raised them or he touched their life in some way or forgave their sin, all of a sudden there was a brand new life for them to walk in, a brand new normal. So I want to continue and really I think finish up on this aspect of talking about the new normal that we live in. In Isaiah chapter 43, we used this a couple weeks ago. Starting in verse 18, it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I like the message. The Bible says it like this. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Some people are getting distracted right now. I believe God's doing something that is just pulsating with the life of God. There's a move of God on the horizon. If the church will give attention to it and listen and allow God to start transforming things on the inside of us, I believe that in just... I believe in a short time, it could be a couple weeks, something's going to take place. We're going to come out of all of this stuff, and the church is going to bring forth a different a step 
They're going to bring forth the light of the gospel. They're going to bring forth in a different way. We're going to begin to bring the knowledge of the glory of the Lord into our facets of the earth because God's doing a new thing. Can't you see what he's doing? He's trying to change the hearts of individuals. He's trying to draw us near to himself. He's trying to close out the busyness of life and bring us into a new place. He said, I'll make, there, there it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. God wants to do something powerful. And if we're not careful, you know, the Bible tells us that we should use the children of Israel as, as our example. And you know there, if you just read uh, in Exodus, you start in chapter 1. said, after Joseph died, there was a, a Pharaoh that came that got afraid that Israel was going to multiply and, and take over. And so what did he do? He brought them under hard labor. He brought them under taskmasters and made them work day and night with rigor. And so they began to cry out to God because they were, they were uh, being so enslaved. They were being made to work day and night and night and day for the Pharaoh and for Egypt. So they called out to God, and God heard their cry, and God delivered them, and God brought them into the wilderness where, where he planned on taking care of them, bringing out of them the slavery of, of Egypt and bringing them into a place where they would have to trust him so he could bring them into a brand new normal of the promised land. And I know this won't apply to every single person, but as I was praying over the week last week, this kind of just kept going over in my head, hearing people say, really over possibly the last 20 years, how many times have you heard yourself say this, or have you heard somebody say, I am just so busy I'm so busy. I don't have time to spend with my kids. I'm so busy. I don't have time to serve because I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy that the world system began to drive us with rigor. So we didn't have time to stop and to have time with God. And could it be, I'm just saying, could it be? Could it be that even when this came, God said, I'm going to bring you out of that rigor, that drivenness of the world, and I'm going to give you some time But you know what they did in that time to get to know God and to know his heart and to know his provision and to know his sustenance? They said it would be better to go back to Egypt and eat fish under the rigor of a taskmaster than to eat manna under God's provision. Could it be if we're not careful that we say, God, I'm so busy, I don't have time, I don't have time, And God gave us time to draw close to him. And God wants to bring us into what he's promised his church and us individually. But right now is a place of faith. Right now is a place where we begin to say, God, breathe into my life of your spirit. Bring to light the things that are are, are, are wrong. Bring to light the things that need to change. Bring the light to things where you want to feed and energize my heart so that I can trust you, build my faith at a whole different level than it's ever been, so I am prepared to look into the future and say, that is my land, I am well able to possess it. Rather than to turn and come out of this time and look at what God promised and say, we can't do that, it's too big. There's too much for this generation to do. I don't know about you, but I believe that God has a promise for us in the last of the last days, that if we say it's too big for us, His coming will come to another generation. Could it be that God is 
taken away that drivenness of the world to bring us into a place to take a breath and to say, God, what are you doing in me? What sustenance do you have for me so that I can depend upon you instead of everything that the world has told me I have to depend upon, that I can put my trust in you? He says he's about to do a new thing. Can we see it? We understand that in just a short period of time, I know for some that have been waiting, it can't come soon enough, but in a short period of time, we're going to return to church. How are we going to return to church? And why are we going to return to church? Are we going to return to church with a new appreciation and a value for being able to come together and worship God and hear the word of God? Are we going to come together to prove to the government that we can do it and they can't tell us what to do? You can come for any reason, but we need to come with a different pep to our step. I'm just telling you that before this happened, people were staying away from church by the droves. Whether it was recreation or work or just not feeling like it, people were being dictated as to whether they were going to come to church or not, but they never stood up and said, you can't tell me not to go to church. I'm going to church. Feelings, emotion, you can't tell me not to go to church. I'm going to church. Recreation, you can't tempt me and tell me I can't go to church today. I'm going to church. We didn't hear that a lot, but now all of a sudden we're going to fight because the enemy wants you to get distracted and fight against natural things when the battle is spiritual. We don't want to come back to church to show flesh and blood. We can do this. We want to come back to church because God is wooing us together as a body to understand the value of the fellowship that we have as saints together in the life-building place that we have together. I know there's issues in the government. There's issues out there. There's things that aren't right out there. But how are we going to respond? Are we going to let the world dictate how we think and what we're doing and why we're doing it? Or are we going to get close to God and know what God is doing and what God is saying to us? It's really time that we draw close to God. I think that God wants us to come out. I'm rambling and I'll get to my message. But I think God wants us to come out in such a way as we were praying before this service. It just began to roll out of me. You know, we say that Jesus said this. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. And we can roll that off. But I believe God wants to internalize that and bring that personally to us that when we come out and we start interacting with people again, we're listening so close. We've gone into prayer to such a degree that when we approach somebody, we hear God say, this is what I want to say to this person. And we're so ready to say what we hear God say, an edifying word. We, we begin to share a word with them that lets them know that God cares about them. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. Are we getting close enough that we realize God wants to do something for this person? How are we going to come back to work? Are we going to come back to work instead of just... Where we used to say, Alan said this last week, I got to go to work today. Well, I guess I got to go to work. Now we're like, I get to go to work. But how are we going to go back to work? Are we going to go back to work changed so that in a few months we're not complaining about our boss and 
all the things again, but we come back to work knowing that God is our source and we're placed there to be a vital influence on the people around us that we work with? How are we going to go back into our recreation time? How are we going to go back into just fellowship with friends and neighbors that we haven't seen for a while? Are we just going to go back to the way it used to be? Are we going to go back because God's impacted our life and we're going to come back and we're going to put a new value on spending time with those people. We're going to put a new value on the ability to get together and recreate with people. We're going to put a new value on our job. Are we going to put a new value on church and coming together again? Because this should have made a step back and create a change and put new value on who we are and what God has for us to do. I believe that God is wanting to do something different so that when we go back to wherever it is, that you're going to return to work or recreation or whatever, we begin to take an understanding that the glory of the Lord rests on us and is in us, the mystery hidden from the ages, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And somehow I'm taking the light of the glorious gospel that is contained within me wherever I go so that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord can begin to fill my earth, fill my land. Again, we could have just taken this period of time, complained, murmured, talked about that it just seems like, why us and why not other people and is it really true or is it not true? Or we could take this time and say, I don't know what's going on throughout the world, but I'm going to take advantage of the time that I now have to draw nearer to God. Let him show up the areas of my life that need to be changed. And I'm going to yield to him and allow the Holy Spirit to create something brand new in me. What's going to be our new normal? Are we going to be just the same and go back to the same old, same old? Are we going to go back with a new normal, a new pep to our step, a new glide to our stride, a new twinkle in our eye, a new word in our voice? How are we going to go back to the places that we go? Are we going to go back to edify people? Are we going to join in the complaining? Are we going to go and say, listen, this is our land. We can possess it. Are we going to join with everybody else and say the giants are too big, the walled cities, we're just grasshoppers in this whole scheme of things. We're just too small. Or are we going to say God is bigger and he's made a promise to us and to our generation. Turn over to Second Chronicles with me. Second Chronicles chapter seven, very familiar portion of scripture, but I I want us to look at just a couple of things here. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, I believe with all of my heart, I know here at New Creation Church, we've been praying. We've been praying that God will do something, that God will return us in so many ways. We say out of our mouth, God, heal our land. Begin to heal people, heal our land of this coronavirus, heal the word of the coronavirus. But I just want to show you real quickly and then move into a few things here. Um, I'm looking like I might run out of time, but praise the Lord. But see, him healing, healing our land is not unconditional. Unconditional. 
If you read it, there's some things that take place, and we think, well, God, I prayed, and it doesn't seem like things are going on. So listen to me just real quickly. He says this. First thing, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Will humble themselves. Right? In order to see healing in our land, and when, when I talk about our land, we could talk about the United States, we could talk about the world, or we could talk about a healing that needs to take place in my family. A healing that needs to pl- take place in somebody that I'm close to, a restoration, a recovery of some kind, just healing a marriage, healing a relationship with our kids, whatever it is, my, what is my land? Maybe the people I work with, the situation that I have there, maybe my financial situation, it needs a touch from God, right? But he says, first thing that we're going to have to do is instead of be defiant and, and argumentative and, 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 and all over the map, he says, you're going to have to humble yourself. He says, you're going to have to humble yourself and pray. You're going to have to humble yourself to come to God and say, God, I know that you are the one that has this in your hand, that you can take care of this, that that I'm in your hand and you're in my hand. And we begin to pray, and I know that we've been praying. We've been seeking God. And understand this, as things start to bubble and as things start to boil, if we've been praying and we have a word from God that God's going to move, understand this that we don't want to make an Ishmael of our life and decide God's not moving fast enough for us. Let's just go out and do this ourselves. But do we believe, not let our faith fail us, do we believe that God is able to perform that which he promised? Do we believe that God is hearing our prayers and he's acting on our prayers? But just because it's not in our timing, we're getting anxious. He says, humble ourselves and pray and seek his face. Sometimes we're just praying, but we're not seeking his face. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must be believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said, if you would seek, you would find. Moses was a great seeker of God. Exodus chapter 33, you may know the story. But God said, listen, this this people has been unruly, and so I'm going to let you go into the promised land. I'm going to send an angel before you. And Moses said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're You're going to do what? We're going to go in with an angel? Moses said, wait a minute, that that doesn't work. That does not work for me. If you don't go with us, I'm not going. How often do we want to get out and we're not seeking God's face, God's timing, God's situation? We're just like, we need to get going. Listen, don't go somewhere if God's not going with you. He said, I'm not going to go with you. And in fact, if, if you don't go, I'm not going to go. But I want to know how you want to take us in. I want to know your ways, right? I don't want to just know how you act. I want to know your ways. And even beyond that, show me your glory, He sought God, and God said, listen, what's impossible I can't do, but I can put you in the cleft of the rock, Jesus, and I can pass by, and I can show you the glory of what I've done. He sought him, and he found him. He said, if you will humble yourself and pray and seek my face, and listen, because if you want your land, whatever it is, healed, he said, and turn from their wicked ways. I know I've talked about this a couple Sundays, and 
I hope we don't have attendance drop off because of it, but I believe it's vital to the day that we live in. He said we're going to have to repent. If we're going to see healing of our land, we're going to have to repent. We're going to have to turn from doing things the way the world does them, doing things the way that we want to do them, and turn and do things the way that God wants us to do them. And he says, when you humble yourself, it's going to take that humility to say, God, not my way, but your way, not my will, but your will. And where are you going to find that? By humbling and saying, God, I want to make contact with you. I want to find you. And when I find you, I see how great you are. And then I say, because I've humbled myself, not my way, but your way. And I'm ready to turn from my ways to your ways. And when we do that, he says, I will heal your land. And in healing our land, it creates a whole new normal. But if we say, listen, God, I'm praying. I want you to heal my land so I can just keep going the way that I'm going. He said, the way that you're going is what's caused this mess. Humble yourself. Seek me, not the world's ways, not your own way, but seek my face and my ways and my power. And then turn from your ways and I'll heal your land. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 In verse 33, the Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthian church. He said, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. One translation says, and stop sinning. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak to your shame. He said, people out there that don't know God need somebody to show God to them. So stop doing like the world. Turn, repent, and begin to understand that your righteousness is with God. You are now a child of God. You're not the offspring of Adam's sin, but you are the offspring of God. Now begin to act like it because there's some that will come to know Jesus because you've turned from your ways to God's ways. It's a new normal. It's a different kind of life. It's a different quality of life. But if we step up, I believe God has some incredible things that are on the horizon. They're just a little ways away. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Jew, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. 
But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection or completeness or maturity. Verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whew, that was a lot. Well, he says, when you turn from your ways and I'm going to heal your land, he says, you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to make a change. And right here, he lines out to us, just as he's lined out in most all of his epistles, Paul says, you are still going to live in this world. You're going to take your getting up, you're going to sleep, you're going to work, you're eating, you're, you're drinking, you're walking around life, and you're going to put it in the hands of God. This is not something that we isolate ourselves alone and we act this way when we're in church and we act this way when we need to, but we act like the old man every other day. He said, this is time to turn from the old things and begin to walk in a new normal, a new normal. He tells us that, listen, if you have received what we talked about Easter, you've received resurrection life. He says, if you've then been raised with Christ seek, there's that word seek again, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your attention or your affection or your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen, he says this, he says, you're going to be on the earth, but you are alive in Christ now. Where is your affection? Where is your attention? It shouldn't just be on the temporal things of the world, but it should be on eternal things. Your whole value system should have changed from an earthly temporal value system to a heavenly value system. Your values should change from getting to giving, right? Instead of using authority over people serving, there's a whole different value system that comes when we understand the new normal of who we are in Christ. And we're able to move and navigate through this world in such a manner of joy and peace when we understand the new normal. So if we're going to walk in this new normal, the first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to put off the old. You're going to have to understand I've been raised with Christ. As the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to have to understand this that I was crucified with Christ. The sexual immorality, the covetousness, and the idolatry, which he says here, put those to death. You say, why didn't he just put all that under one category? Well, I believe that sexual immorality so takes your, your heart and your physical body and puts it in a totally different relational perspective than God ever intended for you to have the intimacy with him and the intimacy with a, a wife or a husband that it so distorts that you can't understand true intimacy with God if sexual immorality is reigning in your life. And then he says covetousness with his idolatry where we have this insatiable desire to have more, to have more power, to have more authority, to have more things, and somehow that's going to satisfy. And we, we end up putting that as what we serve. And God says it can't happen that way. you got to put those things to death. And then he goes on to say that if you understand that you are now belong to him, you've received a new life, that you put off things like anger, wrath, malice, filthy language out of your mouth. 
These are things that by the power and the grace of God you determine. These are not helpful for me in my new order of life. I want a new normal. I don't want to, for filthy language to come out of my mouth. I don't want to always be angry at everybody. I don't want to always be threatening everybody with wrath. I don't want to be talking about everybody. I don't want to be lying to people to cover my own tracks. I want to put that person aside. And start to walk in the new normal. He says you got to put off the old. Then you have to put on the new. You have to put on the new man. The new man is an incredible man. I I believe we don't have time. But if we took a a poll and said. Do you want to live this way with anger, wrath, bitterness, sexual immorality in your life? Or would you rather live a life with tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness. Being able to bear with one another, forgive people. Everybody would choose the latter instead of the former. We get trapped in an old life of anger and bitterness. We allow that to settle in. He says, take that off. If you've been raised with Christ, that's dead. You've raised to a newness of life, and you can have this life of love and joy and peace and tender mercies and forgiveness. It's a new man. You just got to put it on. But listen, you can't put on the new man over the old. A couple years ago, we were talking about uh, 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 something similar to this. And I put on a bunch of clothes and then tried to put on a nice suit over a bunch of just street clothes. And it didn't look right. It didn't fit. Your new man does not fit over your old man. That's why he said you have to repent. You have to put it off and put on the new. When our attention is set on God, we seek those things which are above. It's not a hard thing to put off the old. See, so often we we feel this way. We feel like, well, if I put off that old stuff... What am I going to do? It's almost like saying I used to, I wore anger, I wore wrath, I threatened people. That's how I controlled things around me. If I put that off, I'm going to feel naked. I'm going to feel vulnerable. But God's not asking you to just take that off. He's saying take that off so you can be further clothed with something better. People are afraid for the change because they feel like they're going to be vulnerable. But God didn't tell you just to strip down of the old. He said, I got something better. Put on the new so that you're unrecognizable as the old. You're better dressed. You're dressed for a better occasion. You're best dressed for a better time. You're dressed in a better way to help people and to live life to the full. And lastly, you have to put in. So first of all, you put off. Second of all, you put on, and then you put in. He talks about being renewed in the knowledge of him who created him. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we should be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Hebrews, or, or, Hebrews, or Romans chapter 12 says that we shouldn't be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. He said, let the word of God dwell in you richly, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He said, when the word of God dwells in you richly, it starts to come out in so many ways of admonition and song and encouragement instead of anger and blasphemy and evil thing and lying that comes from the old man. Now we have on a new man and we put in, (coughs) excuse me, we put in the word of God that goes with the new life and what comes out is powerful, life-changing And we become the light of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God. 
And God reconciled us to himself. He says, if you've received Jesus, you're a new creation. There should be a new normal, a new kind of life, and a new quality of life. That quality of life is the quality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No more carrying sin and guilt and shame. No more carrying around the weight of the old man and his actions and his thoughts and his desires. There's a new man with new desires, new actions, new thoughts that lighten the load. And in the end, they make you an ambassador, a representative of Jesus and all of his goodness and all of his glory and of his righteousness. The new norm equips us to be ministers of reconciliation to others, to bring the glory of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to others. I just encourage you that as we've talked about encountering Jesus, we have a time, a window of time that we can get closer to God, encounter the things of God, and allow Him to totally grace us and empower us to put the old things aside and develop the new life and the new normal that he has for us. That we come out of this coronavirus thing, we go back to work, we go back to church, we go back to recreation. Hopefully in our homes, we're different because the new man is coming to life and the old man is being set aside. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to live that kind of life. I want to live in the tender mercies and the grace. I want to live in the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, the forgiveness I don't want to live my life complaining. I want to be able to forgive people and move on. That all begins with the new birth. Any man that be in Christ becomes a new creation, sets a new normal for their life. If that's you and you say, I want a new normal. I want my past to be forgiven, and I want to live this new life. Let's pray this prayer together. <clears throat> say, Father God, I come to you this morning tired of living life my way. I'm ready to change my ways. I come to you and Jesus, I ask you into my heart. Come in and be the Lord of my life. I believe that you came to the earth, that you died on the cross. And God raised you from the dead so I could be forgiven. I received that forgiveness of my sin and thank you for saving me, becoming the Lord of my life. I yield all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know that. You can go on to the app. You can go on, tell your story there, or you can check a box that says you made Jesus the Lord of your life. We'd love to give you some literature there to help you along your new journey, your new normal with Christ Jesus. I believe God wants to do something great in this time. He wants to do something great in your life. I hear dry bones rattling, things coming to life again. A new normal, a new life with Christ is better than we've ever experienced before. So I encourage you, take the time. Don't get too busy. Spend it with him. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall.